This is Film Center, your number one show for real entertainment industry news. No fluff, all facts. Now, here are your anchors, Derek Johnson II and Nicholas Killian. Hello and welcome to Film Center. My name is Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And what are we getting into today, Nicholas? Today, we are filming, not filming, but we are recording, interviewing... You. Me. Derek Johnson the second. Oh, so this is the second part of the Meet this the Host. This is part two of Interview the Host. Yeah, but I don't think people want I think people want more of the LA Comic Con. No, no. <laughs> I am sure that people would love to know how the man that gets it all done ticks. Oh, okay. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Derek Johnson the second. So uh, yeah. Where would you like to start, Derek? I don't know. I don't know. Well, tell us about your family. Tell about your <laughs> early life. Uh, Where are you from? I'm from Nashville, Let's start Tennessee. off with that. I'm from Nashville. I'm technically from Merceboro. I think you're lying. But no, yeah. I'm technically from Merceboro, but no one knows what Merceboro is. Yeah. And that's the only time I real southern accent comes out is what I'm saying. And, and tell us a little bit about Murfreesboro. <laughs> Isn't Taylor Swift from Murfreesboro? She's not. She used to go to my... This is... An interesting story. She's from Pennsylvania. She moved to my town of Murfreesboro, basically berated it and said it sucked. So then her dad, her super rich producer dad, gave her three hundred thousand dollars to make a to make her first album. And it's funny because she basically was like, "Oh, country music is so boring and stupid. I bet you I could become a country music star." And she told this to everyone there. And there's gonna be some people listening to this. He's like, "Ah, that's not true," but it is. Her ex boyfriend was in my geometry class when we like. After a couple of years after she got popular, she came back for a Nashville tour. We bought him tickets, and he didn't want to go. But we thought it was funny, so then we told his mom, and she made him go. <laughs> it was awesome. And now this is not to slander her. This is just what happened. Yeah, it's just literally, it's just, literally just what happened. A lot of people who... Um, I graduated high school in 2013, but this was several years before then that she went And there. tell us what she was like in high school. I'm sure I people mean, would love to know. I didn't know her personally. I've only... There was football games, but it's not like I know who that... Now, you can't name every person in your high school. You know what I'm saying? She was... It wasn't like, oh, everyone knows who Taylor Swift is. All we knew was that like, she was just some chick from Pennsylvania who just hated everybody. What? So, she just... Not hate as in being mean, but like, she just had disdain of living there. And so it was like, she was whatever. Just, she thought she was better than... Kind of. And to be fair, Murfreesboro is boring. Um, it's not anymore. There's a lot to, There's a lot more to do there. There's a whole bunch of Californians who've moved there and like developed it. And now it's super expensive in Californians. And then it. if you guys don't know, Derek is an all-around renaissance man. So he writes, <sighs> directs. He does everything but basically acts. That's one yeah. part that – but you did act before. Yeah. So when I was in high school, I think that's my first taste of entertainment. I, I was in musical theater. and Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was in musical theater and – I think that was really my first exposure to it. My family we went to TPAC a lot, which is a lot of tours, a lot of like big Broadway show, shows. They tour the country first, one of them in Broadway, <clears throat> and one of the stops is in Nashville. You said TPAC? TPAC is the name of the is the name of the theater. Okay, can you it, tell us a little bit about the theater? Yeah, it's a giant. It's a beautiful theater. Honestly, I've been to shows on Broadway before, and the TPAC Center. It stands for Tennessee. Insert letters here and then center. <laughs> I, should, I should know. Because, <laughs> like, in Nashville. What a great representation. <laughs> All I know is, like, 
So something that people might know about Nashville is a huge hockey Nashville. spot. Yeah. Why people, do you think that's not wider known? Because when people think Nashville, they think banjos and moonshine, which isn't exactly inaccurate. But <laughs> the Predator Stadium is just right there in downtown Nashville. And everything is just like around it. If someone, Everything is built around it. If you ask someone like, oh, they're like, oh, where's that bar? And they're like, it's near the Pred Stadium. You'd be like, okay, thanks, jerk. As if I didn't already know that. Everything right. is near there. But something that I have really, really a lot of fond memories of is going with my parents to TPAC, seeing a lot of Broadway shows before they get on Broadway. Because mm-hmm. it's significantly cheaper because it's in Nashville and it's right there. You get dressed up, all the good stuff. and So it's almost like Broadway for small town prices. Exactly. Exactly. It's the same exact people you will see see in New York. It's the exact same cast and everything. It's just that they do the tour first. And TPAC is one of the places they stop. And so those things really influenced me, especially I remember seeing Wicked for the first time at TPAC. And it was like, that was the first. Of course, Lion King is really great. Rent was really great. There was the uh, the Nutty Professor that came by that was also really awesome. Stuff the like Nutty that. Nutty Professor? I didn't realize that was a musical. Yeah, there's a musical version of the Nutty Professor, which was incredible. The lead, I feel so bad, I'm blanking on his name, but he had to be able to sing in bass and tenor to wow. play that because the Nutty Professor's voice is all the way up here. And then the cool guy is like all the way down here. He had to be able to sing in those two voices and go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I didn't incredible know, talent. I didn't know that you could do that physically, <laughs> so I was very impressed. But when I saw Wicked, I was like, oh, there is something so interesting here. It was just it was an incredible show. And that's what really got me more into musical theater. And then, yeah, I think that's where I, I caught the bug. Uh, speaking of your parents, were they supportive of this, of this career choice? To be fair, my parents, so my mother, she's a college professor. My father's a physician. And... They didn't really think that I would be doing something like this. Even when I went off to college, I went to study genetics. Because and, that's uh, what you were studying before you decided. Because can you talk to everybody about how you were based? I don't want to say groomed, but you <laughs> that's were... That's a very... <laughs> that's not... That's... <laughs> <laughs> but the way... Because your dad is a doctor and right. you were basically trained... To become a geneticist, you went to a lot of camps and yeah. So I you worked with your dad in the in his office. Talk about that. Yeah. So when I was younger and I was a, a teen, middle school, high school years, I spent a lot of time. I went to space camp on scholarship several times because I was going to be studying to be a biologist. And they have a, anyone who's listening. If your kids want to go to space camp, has a whole bunch of NASA space camp has a whole bunch of different programs for young kids. And like I said, I was studying biology. And they still will give you a scholarship for that because they need all sorts of scientists in space and stuff like that. It's not only about right. programming and engineering and computer science. Then I spent some time at uh, the University of Maryland College Park. They had a over-the-summer medical program there that I actually learned how to sew together. They had some pigskin for us to practice doing sutures and stuff like that. And I was really interested in the medical field. I think part of that really came from also, that's where my dad was working. My dad was, a, he only became a doctor when I was like, I want to say, like, I think it was in like fifth or sixth grade. Before then, he was in the military. And he was a field medic in the military, correct? Yeah. So he was a field medic in the military until about my fifth or sixth grade. And that's when he entered a residency. Um, I think that I went to college. So when I went to college, I just really had this feeling that I was supposed to be doing something else. And there's some people who know the day it happened, but 
I'll tell a short version of that story. The day for me where everything changed is I really had this feeling that I should be doing something else. I wrote really for therapeutic reasons, not imagining that I should be some filmmaker or something like that, or that I should write or do anything in entertainment. I just felt like I shouldn't be doing science. I was in a, a freshman in a junior chemistry class, biology mm-hmm. class, doing well, you know what I'm saying? But I always felt like I should do something else. And, I just, and uh, I'm very religious, so I, I remember going to the library and asking God, like, hey, God, if you want me to do something else, you got to give me a sign. But please know that as your follower, you know, as your child, I'm an idiot. So it has to be a good sign. <laughs> it's got to be a good sign. It's got to be a sign. <laughs> I'm oblivious. And this is true. First of all, I waited and, like, I did it, like, at a chair, like, at a desk in the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, which is where I went to first. And I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Like, the sky would open up or something. And even if it did, I was inside. So right. I wouldn't even have seen it. You right. know what I'm saying? So, but I just, I don't know. I literally waited for, like, 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't know why I'm still waiting here. I'm like, <laughs> and while I was leaving, I saw a whole bunch of people rushing to the auditorium. And it's the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and they have this lecture auditorium at the bottom of their main library. Everyone's running over there. And I'm like, I stopped the guy. I was like, hey, where's everyone going? Like, where is everyone rushing to? He goes, oh, James Wan is doing a surprise lecture here. Isn't that cool? And I was like, that is a really good sign. <laughs> That's a great sign. That is a really cool sign. And I went to his lecture and the, just hearing him talk about filmmaking and how much he loved movies. It really moved me. And then they had a drawing. And James gave me a Terminator 2 action figure. Really? Yeah, it's, it's back at my da- my dad's crib right now. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is, I guess, what I should be doing. So then, instead of doing something smart and intelligent, I was, I was I mean, I was 18. So I, instead, I decided, you know what? I think Disney's cool. So I'm going to work for Disney, but I don't know how to do that. So I signed up for the Disney College program. I went over there, which is the complete opposite direction of filmmaking. <laughs> Can you talk about the conversation you had with your parents before you went to the Disney program? Oh, yeah. Calling my parents and telling them, hey, I know I've been, you've invested a lot of money into me being a geneticist. And this is, since I was like a child, that's all I really a wanted good to do. 10 years. No one's kid. I remember for Christmas one time, I think it was like in the fourth grade, I asked for like chemistry for dummies. And my dad was like, you don't want a Game Boy? I was like, I want that too. But I also really want this book. <laughs> was that the story you were like? Yeah, I want a book. I want a book. Instead of in, I would say instead of video games, but it was definitely on my list to have all like these different science books. I love something I was really interested in. And for my parents to hear, I called my mom first. I knew that was gonna be the softest blow. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she'd obviously then tell my dad. I told my mom, and my mom thought I was joking. And then she was, I was like, "Oh, hey, ma, I think uh, I think I'm done with like, science." And remember, everyone my whole life, that's all they'd known me for is science. And also, my parents don't know that I write at all. They didn't really view the arts as something that you did professionally. A viable career. They viewed it as a hobby. I was doing musical theater with in school. You know what I'm saying? It's just a hobby. It's just some extra Something DJ's doing. And especially, it'll help my, me get into college, right, saying, oh, I have these other skills. Uh, and also, in high school, I was also in ROTC. Originally, I was supposed to go into the military and then... When that changed, that's when I went to, to college. Can you talk about why you weren't accepted into the military? Oh, yeah, I can actually. My ASVAB was really good. My ASVAB was 95. I was in ROTC. Seagull High School is one of the best ROTC programs in the state of Tennessee. A lot of my friends just went directly from high school to West Point. So it was really cool. It's like a feeder school, right? Basically, your high school is a feeder school to West Point? A theater school. A feeder. Oh, a feeder school. There's a whole bunch of, we get recruiter guys all the time. You know what I'm saying? I was on the top Raiders team. I was on the top orienteering team, all that stuff. And then I went to go sign up for the military at 18. And my grandfather was also a World War II vet. 
You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm about to serve my country. And just a stroke of fate, it turned out that Obama was downsizing the military at that time. And so he had a whole bunch of like stipulations preventing people to get in that previously did not exist. And one of those stipulations was if you take a certain level of ADHD medicine consistently, you would have to be off it for a year first to then join. And I wasn't about to wait a year. So then right. that's when I went to college. And then I'm going to speed run this, speed run a little bit because I've done a whole bunch of stuff. So I went to then calling my dad and telling him, oh, I'm not going to do this. He didn't really believe me either. But I think both my parents, they said everything in the book. They were like, you need a, what's your plan B? Where is this coming from? Who are you? <laughs> what is happening? And I think like a lot of people go through that. It's like telling your parents, oh, I want to do the art seriously. They don't believe you. They don't they think it's a terrible idea. And I remember talking to my, both my parents about it later on, many years later. And they're like, yeah, we really tried to make sure that you didn't do it. They said it was, they said it was idiotic. But from what I got from that conversation was like, oh, it's not stupid. It's idiotic. And it's not a good right. idea, but it's not stupid technically. So even though idiotic and stupid are very interchangeable. <laughs> Your parents never brought up a uh, pregnancy? What do you mean? Just to talk about myself a little bit. Whenever I had had the conversation with my parents, they were actually pretty supportive. Mm. The only thing my dad told me was, if you get a girl pregnant, that's it for you. Oh, my, my parents are, my family is super independent. So basically after I, after I, I entered college they were like yeah you're on your own you just kind of cut you. off that's my first summer back from college my room wasn't even there anymore oh really yeah that's how my family is they were like 18 you're good man i got you i remember when i turned 17 my dad was like you want to go tour some apartments it's like i'm 17 <laughs> because we're all really independent like that they dissuade me not to do it but i also think that's what prevented them from saying you can't do it it's because like, because you're very, so independent all of us are super independent and that's just how my family rolls you know what I'm saying? I went to Disney. I did the Disney College program for about a year. I laughed. I cried. I would never do it again, but I definitely wouldn't take away that experience from my life. It's like pledging in, in, in college. No, it's worse because it's a year long. But <laughs> I guess the sentiment I'm saying is you would never do it again, but you're glad you did it. Yeah, I'll, and then I spent, actually, I, I spent some time at Universal afterwards. Mm-hmm. After my Disney con- contract got off. And then this was down in Florida. So I was down in Disney World. And then that's how I ended up at Florida State afterwards. Because then was, was at the Universal Studios. And my parents basically called me. And they were like, hey, man, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, you're just working at theme parks. I'm like, yeah, I, to be fair, it was really fun. <laughs> I was having a good from, time. From what I heard, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun. Because I was like, uh, when you're 18, 19, 20... You work at Disney World. A whole bunch of people who you haven't talked talked to in years. They now want to be your best friend because you right. have free tickets to Disney. Exactly. And then even like people who are like extent like people you did not know you were related to. Somehow you're now you're related to them. They're like, "Yo, man, what's up? Can I get some tickets?" Exactly. Exactly. And the crazy part is, some of them are like, "How would this even work?" Like, you live in Connecticut. If I give you these tickets to Disney, you do still have to come over here <laughs> right. to get the tickets. All I'm giving you is the tickets. You have to pay for everything else. Right. My parents were like, you should, what happened to, I want to be working in entertainment. I was like, oh yeah, I did say that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, maybe if I work at Disney, eventually there's some sort of crossover. I don't know. I Also at this point, I haven't even Googled what a script looked like. I didn't even, I did nothing. 
This know, is like, also oh, as this, long as they work for the companies, maybe something will happen. This is also the same line of thinking when people go do extra work and they're like, maybe the director will notice me, put me in a featured role, and I'll <laughs> right. become discovered that way, which right. is the same ridiculous line of thinking. Yeah. So then um, at Florida State University, um, I spent a lot of time with their film school and shadowing the people who in their graduate program. I was a PA for a lot of them. For about 11 films. Could you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah. Usually you need to be a part of the graduate college at Florida State University to help on their films. Or like friends of one of the people or something like that. But when I got on there, when I got to Florida State, I really was like, okay, I'm going to be here to do film stuff. And the film school at Florida State University is actually in the football stadium. And I had some friends who were playing football. So they told me where it is because that's the only place in the stadium they're not allowed to go. <laughs> right. Obviously, <laughs> this is true. All I I went to the film school, and uh, the doors were closed. So I, there's like this bench outside of it, and I literally just sat on the bench. I think it was like a it was like a Tuesday. So I knew I knew some people were gonna be walking by. It's Tuesday, and I didn't have classes on Tuesdays at that time. I literally sat there all day till I saw someone who like looked like a graduate student, mm-hmm. and I think it was Kendra, and. She said, Kendra or other I'm pretty sure. I'm just say Kendra because I'm pretty sure that's who it was. And I basically walked up to her and was like, hey, you're part of this film school? You're a graduate film student here? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. Are you making any, like, you make movies and stuff, like short films? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. Hi, my name's Derek Johnson. I will do anything on that set. <laughs> that's I a great will, attitude to have. Right. Just all the bull crap you want to get. And she was like, oh, you want to be a PA. And I was like, I don't really know what that means. I'll do it for free. And she was like, oh, really? And I was like, yep. <laughs> so did. She literally takes me into like her class. And they were like apparently all sitting around uh, about to get all their films greenlit for their for Florida State. Uh, mm-hmm. Florida State Film School. A lot of film schools work this way. Have their slate of? They have their slate of student films. And they had to get greenlit by the teacher or whatever. And it was just the students sitting around at that time. She walked me directly in there and then introduced me to everyone. I was like, hey, this is DJ. He wants to be a PA for free. And everyone was like, whoa, do you want to work on my film? Do you want to work on my film? Do you want to work on my film? And I literally got to work on everybody's stuff. It was funny. By my third, fourth semester there, I had been on literally everyone. Not the undergraduates, but all the graduate student films. I had people like arguing to get me on their student films mainly because i was just doing anything people asked me to do the biggest thing for me was just it was so such a great experience to learn it was such a great learning experience i bet yeah because i didn't know anything at all and to be able to, to go and interact with this film school students and see how they're writing see what it's like to be on set what do these cameras do what do these lenses do you know what i'm saying and there's a huge balance that i got used to when i'm working at disney between being curious and being annoying. There's there's definitely it's a, a line. There. Razor thin line. Right. And how you usually balance that, especially someone like me who's really curious, I like to know everything. I would ask them a max of three questions. That was like my thing. I was like, you can't ask more than three questions before lunch and can't ask more than three questions after lunch. And by That's a great rule. Yeah, and it's like a, to a specific department. So it's not I'm not gonna go up to the director and bother them. Not three questions for each department right. or each person. Not each person or each department. Someone's super busy. I'm not going to be bothering them. But after I made like five or six with them, everyone just knew me. So they would talk to me more. Mm-hmm. When I first got on there, don't ask the camera department more than three questions. And so it also makes you razor down, like, what, are the, what am I trying to ask? You know what I'm saying? It also probably makes you 
It makes you curate your questions. Right. And makes you calculate your questions and think about, okay, what do I actually want to ask? What do I really want to know? I only have these three questions. Right. And uh, I spent a lot, most of my time actually with, because I was doing PA stuff, PAs are often funneled into just something. Whatever you, whatever you seem to just do the most, if you're a consistent PA, they just make you just do that. They just shove you into that section. And for me, that was PD. Doing a lot of PD and wardrobe. What is PD? Production design. I was working in a lot of art department, the production design department. I was working with uh, a lot of wardrobe people, and I was making costumes. And I was making some costumes that got into some of their movies, which was really cool. How did you like um, that? I thought it was awesome. I love, I, I would previously, I, not that, I've been to a couple Comic-Con conventions, but I never really thought to myself, oh, let me make a costume. And so I saw them starting to make some, and I was like, oh, I wonder if I could also do that. YouTube Academy. <laughs> you know, Test your metal. Looked it up, and a really great moment for me is like when I had the Swan Monster costume that I did get into one of their short films, which I thought was really cool. It must have made you feel really proud of yourself. Oh, it made me feel like I didn't, I wasn't wasting my time. I need to prove. So I still like because my parents were still like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, what's going on?" A lot of creatives sit there and ask themselves, "Am I wasting my time?" Pretty much all the time. I was making costumes. I went to. Then I got into the New York Film Academy, the Los Angeles branch here in California, in Burbank. Can you and talk about the story of getting into NYFA? I wish the story was more inter- interesting. All that really happened was, like, my portfolio after working on so many short films was pretty good. And ironically, I didn't get into Florida State's film school, even though I helped make them <laughs> a whole bunch of movies. Did, having and so many connections at Florida State, did you ask them, like, hey, man, well, I've worked I on all of your help, movies. I even helped some of the teachers move in. Some people who are judging who gets it or not. And I was... I don't know. It's a little scandalous, but basically what happened was, I'm not going to say who or what did anything. So keep it general for whatever. But I did get into the school and then, because it was told me by our administration, like, yeah, of course you get it. Yeah, you're in. And then while I was finalizing the list, a person who will be remain unnamed paid for their kids to be in Florida State's film school. And took your spot. And took my spot and also someone else's spot i don't know who the other person is but and literally the students were like got really upset obviously because i'm I'm like a good friend of theirs and i've been working with them for like three years two three years on all their stuff here's what it is and then i was like okay i prefer which i thought i was going to florida state but my dad was like there are all movies made in los angeles and i was like yeah he goes why don't you try getting to the los angeles school and i was like i don't want to go to usc or ucla specifically because I don't know. I was like, okay, if I'm going to go to there, I might as well just go to, what's the difference between all these film schools anyway? Does it really matter which one you go to? And what have you found to be the difference? Not a whole lot. Really the alumni, and that's about it. Even though that's like razor thin, because some alumni, the director of Moonlight came from Florida State. He didn't go to USC. But then Steven Spielberg went to USC, but again, that was in the 70s. It depends. The reason why I chose, I applied to NIFA was because they were the only film school that had a feature program in which a select few of the students got to make a feature film and not a short film. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Why don't other film schools do this? And it's really super selective. Why don't other schools do that? Because it costs more. It's way easier to teach kids or whoever. Here's a camera... Here's a few thousand dollars. Go make a short film compared to, okay, now you need to write, you don't need to write 10 minutes of script. You need to write hour and a half, two hour script that needs to be compelling. And obviously it's going to cost more than 
couple thousand dollars. You then run into legal issues. You know what I'm saying? With the short film, you can get away with a lot of stuff. When it's a feature, you can't. There's a saying that I, that I learned working at Florida State's film school, which to this day has seemed very true to me. Short films cost money. Feature films make money. For short film, you got to send it to different film festivals and stuff like that. When it comes to feature films, you don't send them to a whole... I mean, you can send them to film festivals if you want to, but you can sell that feature film to be licensed somewhere, and that make, generates money. Right. Compared to a lot of short films, you can't really do that to. You can have a short film with an A-list actor in it, and it's less likely to get sold than a feature film with no A-listers in it. Really? Yeah. So you could have just yeah, a regular a feature, feature with film. with you and your friends... Just in, it's more likely to to generate money than if I had Jude Law in my short film. Wow! Yeah, that's so, that's a gem right there. And so, It'd be good to know. Yeah, before so, you pour all this money. Yeah, into a short know, film. There's some people who spend like four forty k, fifty k. There's only I know a handful of people who regularly perform very well with short films. I know this one guy. He like his short films are consistently like nominated for Oscars and stuff like that. However. He was making, he's been making, that was his thing. He was like, I want to master short films, and he's been doing short films for like three years. Four zero? Yeah, almost half Four a de- decades? Yeah, four decades. Almost half a century he's been doing exclusively short films and just working on making really good short films. And what's the time length on these short films? They're like, for a short film to be a short, it needs to be under 40 minutes. And so they usually land around 30. So they're not tiny. Yeah, know? they're not like 10 minutes long. Which a lot of people do to get their stuff easy, easily programmed. But yeah, NIFA had a feature film program, and so I decided, oh, this is what I want to go into. And then I became a writer because uh, I didn't, I have never read a script of film, uh, screenplay until I was 24. <laughs> but I basically went there to make costumes for feature films, and a teacher of mine pulled me aside, and it was like, hey, because we had to, no one had any money, like usual, uh, Sorry, spoiler alert to everyone in Los Angeles. The people who aren't don't live in L.A., but a lot of people out here don't actually have any money. No Especially money. the film school students. We had to make our own films from our costumes to be in the film. So I'm writing, directing in film school so people can see my costumes. And then a teacher of mine pulled me aside, Gilbert, and was like, Hey, man, can I see you at the class? I'm like, sure. And he goes, You want to make costumes? I was like, Yeah. He goes, You should be writing. And I was like, eh. So they recognized your talent in writing. Yeah. And was like, you should write more than you should make costumes. Yeah, that's what he said. And at first I was like, eh, I don't really know because I'm really into making costumes. And he was like, no, do me a favor. Write it seriously. Take writing seriously. Just the next two scripts that you write for the class, take them very seriously. And the rest became history. I ended up really enjoying it. And one of those scripts that I wrote for in film school became Sweating Sand, which was a short that I'm mostly known for that's now going to be a TV show. Which is the TV show we're making right now. It is. <laughs> it is, yeah. And I wrote that, uh, yeah, I wrote that when I was in film school. And if that teacher never said that to me, I never would have became a writer-director. So shout out to Mr. Gilbert. Yeah, shout out to Gilbert. Yeah, exactly. And then what did you do coming out of film school? Coming out of film school, I was hired, it was a pandemic, I was going to make a feature film. My first big feature, Sweating Sam, was going to be a feature film because they'd already won, like, we were only on a festival circuit for, like, four or five months, and we had, like, ten awards and, like, two nominations. It was going crazy. So <clears throat> getting the money for the feature actually wasn't too difficult because it was winning all these awards. But it got greenlit in January 2020. 
and by March, everything was a topsy turvy. But I actually got hired to be a development executive when I was right out of film school, when I was 25. I, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was almost 26, 25, 20, almost 26. It was right before my 26th birthday. And that experience was really great. I wrote a script called Blood Related, and that's what, so I was pitching, I was taking Blood Related around to anyone who would see it, anyone who would look at it. It was a, it was a script that I was very passionate about. And the guy who I worked for at the time at the school, David Nelson, I guess gave it to someone who then looked at it and then passed it around until eventually it got recognized by Voyage Media. And then at the Voyage Media, wow. and a guy named Ken Koken, who used to work, who was a uh, former executive at Perfect World Pictures, liked it. And then from there, through the connection, I was able to be hired at the development company of Hot Power Productions while I was getting founded. And now, I do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've saved since left Hot Power Productions just because... Internal strife? That and it's, you want to be able to create and do bigger stuff. When you work in development, you all you do is just spend your time making other people's stuff come alive. You want to mm-hmm. make your own stuff come alive, right? Eventually, right? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's you, man. Yeah. And then at the start of the pandemic—that's when you moved into uh, to the apartment. Yeah, for those listening, me and Nicholas know each other from being roommates. Just off random. Off random. Just random. And how did you find the? You found it off Craigslist, right? Yeah, <laughs> super sketchy. When I was like, hey, it mean, I'll go check it out. And, uh, yeah, because I, w- I was leaving, I w- they didn't have dorms at my film school, but it was like they had designated places for you to live. And I was like, ah, you're going to find some, some place small to be for, for like, you know, a couple months and then leave. And then I ended up being there for a year. And that's how we and Nick know each other. And didn't you say your former roommate was like a crime boss or something? That is a story for another time. <laughs> that is, he, he, uh. Yeah, he did international money laundering and owed like, of like millions and millions of dollars. And didn't the FBI kick down your door? Yeah, they. That's a story for the time. I think we're running out of time. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Everybody might stick around for it. Uh, it did. That did happen though. And yeah, they see the property it was crazy. Story for another time. But uh, all right, Derek, thank you so much for just being so thorough and letting us into your world for a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure everybody will enjoy this quite a bit. Yeah, I, I enjoyed opening up, and this is part of the reason why we did the Meet the Host, because we get so many people commenting about, who are these people right. on our on the show? But uh, hey, that's me. I'm Derek Johnson II. I'm Nicholas Killian. And we'll see you next time. See you. This has been Film Center on Comic-Con Radio. Check out our previous episodes at filmcenternews.com. Sign up for our newsletter and get the Hollywood trade straight to you. You can follow the show at Film Center News on all major platforms. Tune in next week for a fresh update. Until next time, this has been Film Center. Hey, do you like anime and manga? Well, Nick and I are big fans of the genre. Yeah, we recently discovered a manga named Tamashi. It's written and created by Ryan McCarthy, and it recently just came out with its 10th volume. Now, Tamashi is an isekai about a girl who gets transported to another world called the Ancient Lands. She gains mysterious powers and must fight demons and monsters to find her way home. Check it out on Amazon, Blurp, and get a physical copy at RyanMcCarthyProductions.com.